nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Today, our title is COVID-19, Keeping It Safe in Healthcare Team Conversations. Um, I feel like there is nothing more crucial to having a collaborative and positive workplace than to have a staff of adult professionals, expert in communication, and conflict resolution. My guess is that during this COVID crisis, the teams that have been the most effective and successful are the ones who have been able to communicate crucial information and react as one team in crucial and stressful situations. The teams that can do that are the ones who have been doing it every day in non-crucial times and probably for many years. My guest today is Roz Lindsay, from South Australia. She is the owner of Engage Your Healthcare Leadership and leader of a Facebook group called We Lead Healthcare. Roz provides management and leadership education for healthcare leaders to create and sustain effective teams. She is also a podcast host for Engage Your Healthcare Leadership, and that can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. So, Roz, thank you so much for joining us today. Leanne, thank you so much for having me along. It's a real honour to be on your show. It's kind of fun to talk across the entire world, uh, opposite sides. So can you give us just a little bit of uh, background of your bio? I know it's kind of a a little bit of an unusual entry into healthcare. Certainly. Um, Certainly, it is an unusual. Uh, it, well, it's an unusual bio, but I guess to me, it's it's quite quite natural. Mm-hmm. I started out my career in healthcare as a veterinary surgeon, and I worked in private practice, in general practice, in Australia and the United Kingdom. So I had some international experience there, and I was working with both large and small animals, so farm animals and domestic animals. And after a few years doing that, I loved certain things about that role and there were certain things that just didn't fit Hmm. with me. So I looked at how I could transfer my skills and I moved into the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry and was very fortunate to have many management roles in that industry from operations to training to frontline work. And Following that time period, I decided to move into setting up my own business. So 10 years ago, I set up a learning and development business because when I fell into training and development, I realized that's where my career pathway was meant Mm -hmm. to go. So I've been over 25 years in healthcare. It's taken me a little while to figure out what exactly I wanted to do. (laughs) But (laughs) But you've been training all the way along. (laughs) Yeah, training all the way along and look, really making the most of opportunities. When I was a vet, I was incredibly interested in animal behaviour 
And what I do now is human behaviour. So really it is a transferable skill. <laughs> I'm just looking at a different different subject matter. But yes. I've been running that business now for over 10 years and probably about 85% of my clients with that business were in healthcare. So I continued on the healthcare theme. And then last year I decided to set up an additional business, which was an online management, leadership and teams-focused business that was delivering courses and learning opportunities only for healthcare. So I'd worked with healthcare mainly, but this really was just tailored to healthcare managers, leaders and teams. And more recently, as you mentioned, I've also set up a Facebook group in the face of COVID-19 to provide some extra support and some free training and resources as well. So that's yeah. uh, that's my career pathway. It's always so fascinating to see how people maneuver in their careers and then uh, make use of everything they did along the way and then bring it into something that, that uses it all. Um, and you're a prime example. <laughs> so let's get into our topic here. And we do want to talk about um, communication, especially um, crisis, communication in crisis times. So tell me about how you would describe um, a manager or a leader who is operating during a crisis. Yes, I think that the, the one thing that I think we start with may not be an obvious one, particularly in healthcare, but I definitely believe a great leader is one in a crisis, but also not in a crisis, who understands emotions and is emotionally intelligent. And some people might say, oh, why is that important in a crisis? Well, the thing is that in a crisis, people's emotions are really high, whether that's someone who's working in their team or whether in healthcare that's a patient. I'm sure you're all aware as nurses that patients' emotions will be quite high at this particular time as well. People are scared. People are worried. They're anxious. They can even be angry and this is expressed in lots of different ways. And as a leader of a team in a crisis, being aware of people's emotions is important because if people are operating on high-level emotion and are anxious, fearful, angry, however that's playing out, then they may not be operating productively in their role in the workspace. Patients may not be adhering to what you're asking them to do in a particular dangerous situation, for instance. So that's my number one, which is not the obvious one that people go to when they think crisis management. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people tend to talk about it, but I, de I definitely think it's important. The other things that flow on from that are definitely clear communication. So someone who is very clear, they're consistent in what they're saying, they're bringing a positivity to it, even in a crisis situation. It's not it's not to say they're going to say, oh, it's all sunshine and roses and isn't this a wonderful thing, we're having this crisis. They're trying to look for opportunities. They're trying to speak to the situation as though we will get through it. They're trying to reinforce the qualities that people and the strengths people bring to that situation to actually help them get through that crisis. So that's what I mean by that positivity. Um, and I think really, so just to interrupt you, so then to a certain extent, the more the manager knows their staff and knows their um, uh, 
strengths and perhaps even weaknesses that they can utilize that to the best of each person's ability in the crisis? Absolutely. That is okay. That is so beautifully summarized that they, they do get the best out of each individual. So each individual is able to operate to their maximum capacity and capability, even though the world is in chaos around them. So that manager is able to support them to do that. And it doesn't mean that people still won't be fearful or concerned, yet the manager is helping guide them through it, which ultimately is what a leader is doing. They're guiding people through Mm -hmm. whether it's a crisis or whether it's good times. And and I think the thing with that is when you talk about them knowing their team and knowing each individual It also leads to something that I believe is so important is it's what I call cohesive leadership rather than divisive leadership. Mm -hmm. So they know each individual, they're getting the best out of them. And then as a whole, they're pulling their team of individuals together so that they're all working toward a shared purpose, a -hmm. shared goal. They're in it together. They're truly collaborating. They're not divided in their thinking they're not divided in what their purpose is they're crystal clear and so therefore they can be very very focused there are many aspects but I think that those are some of the ones that I think are really critical at these times Mm -hmm. and how critical is it that the manager is that type of person there's um, so many teams right now especially in healthcare that I'm hearing from nurses who are saying you know my leader doesn't really understand what it is we're doing Um, she's never here. And in fact, during the crisis, they're gone somewhere, they're at home and saying, well, we're not critical. So we aren't here. And they're just letting their staff kind of, you know, fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I think it's incredibly critical that leaders step up now. And they step up in a positive way and that they are cohesive. They're in touch with their employees. They know what's going on. They're not letting them fend for themselves. For themselves, I think that's probably one of the um, worst things we could do at the moment because mm-hmm. people need clear direction. They need someone to step up. And I've been saying to people over the course of this crisis, these times will define us, um, mm-hmm. not only as a human race but as an individuals right. and How do you want to look back on your time through this? And while I I can see that if a, particularly in the nursing profession and particularly hospital or otherwise, I can see that if a manager feels that they need to work from their home office and not, not travel about the city, not actually go into work because it's more people in at work. I'm, I'm actually okay with that as long as they're visible in other ways, whether that's having Zoom meetings, um, having meetings and interacting with their team, whether that's on the phone. They need to be very, very visible if they're not there physically. Um, right. Being there physically is probably better in the nursing profession. However, if they're not able to, for whatever reason, they're making that judgment call, please be visible in other ways. I would think that that trust level, uh, you know, that somebody, I guess I maybe it's me. If I were in that team and my manager was at home, um, I think my trust level would go down tremendously because my feeling would be you're putting me in harm's way, but you will not stand behind me, beside me, you know, in any way trying to help me out. I just feel like managers are supposed to clear the way, clear the obstacles out of the way 
so that the staff can do what they do best. Mm. And it just seems to me if if you have to try and contact your manager at home and try and explain the situation, that is not helpful. Mm. Look, I, I, had, I would agree with you there. I think yeah. the work that nurses do, particularly on the front line, the nurses in the front line, I do agree with you. I, I suppose I was trying to be diplomatic if people feel it's a particular reason. <laughs> I'm not yeah. to judge their decision making, but definitely there's we need to be able to trust our leaders in these times. And if we yeah. feel that we don't trust them or they don't have our back or we're not in it together, then yeah. it's not going to have a really good outcome and it will lead to um, dysfunction of the team, which is ultimately not good yeah. for the team members. It's not good for the leader and it's not good for patients. Mm-hmm. It's really true. And the patients can pick up on it. It's amazing. So paint a picture or give some examples or somehow show us what should uh, an, a leader sound like, look like, um, uh, how, how to hold maybe difficult conversations? What should that look like? I believe that a leader should be stepping up, being calm, being confident, yet also showing that degree of vulnerability. So it's a fine balance. And Mm -hmm. this is the reason that, you know, not not all great leaders are born. (laughs) Great leaders can be developed because it's not easy to be a leader, yet we need to be able to lead from the front. So calmness, cohesiveness, the vulnerability piece is to say that if you're scared or you're anxious to say that because there's a human element in that that will build trust because your team will connect to that. Now, this is not to say that you run around pulling your hair out and saying, <laughs> I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. So that's what I'm talking about, get that balance right. So it's, right. this is the situation we find ourselves in. These are the options we have to move forward from here. What do you think? How might we take that first step? Guys, I'm a bit concerned about this as well. This is unprecedented in what we've had to deal with. So, yes, I'm worried and I'm anxious, but I believe firmly that we can get through it if we work together on this. So it's using those reassuring phrases Mm -hmm. to help people feel confident in your leadership yet also connect with your vulnerability and asking them those coaching questions. What do you think? we could do here Mm -hmm. because what that does is that will actually help them focus and be able to contribute and feel like they're involved in some fashion and we are in it together truly. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, all of that kind of goes, uh, is built on whatever went before. So if in meetings and any other kind of situations previously, if the manager is able to get across to them, your uh, input is important to me. And um, I will listen and I will consider it. And then as a group, we will try to make a decision going forward. Or if it's such a critical decision, I will make the decision based on what I've heard from you. I think those things can really make a difference. And I mean, people will go to the mat for a manager who is standing behind them, who is willing to hear them and willing to, um, you know, move those obstacles So um, before we go too much deeper in this, we're kind of at a place of a break. And so I'm thinking maybe this is a good place to take it. And then when we come back, we can come, come uh, go into a little bit more of what that really looks like. Uh, What are some of the situations that might have to be dealt with as um, 
you know, conflict or, uh, you know, resolving disagreements, etc. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and my guest today is Roz Lindsay. She's from South Australia. She's the owner of the Engage Your Healthcare Leadership uh, group, and she will be coming right back. We will be talking more about communication in crisis and conflict uh, resolution in crisis. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. WomenInHealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22, 2020. WomenInHealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer. I'm here today. We're talking about COVID-19, keeping it safe in healthcare team conversations. Um, My guest is Roz Lindsay, and she's from South Australia. She's the owner of Engage Your Healthcare Leadership and the leader of a Facebook group called We Lead Healthcare. Uh, We've been talking, uh, uh, learning about uh, what it what a good manager can do and what um, how they can kind of help support and encourage their staff as they go through a crisis situation. So um, jump in here, uh, Roz, and let's let's pick up kind of where we left off. Uh, we were talking about some of the the words people can say that can be helpful, asking for um, input from your staff, that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, sure. It's there are many, many things that we can do to help people focus and feel comfortable. And the key thing is in a crisis, that's what we want to do. We actually want to reduce 
people's emotional responses and bring in more logical responses. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what we're doing as leaders because when we're operating on emotion, we're not actually thinking clearly. And so, therefore, if we have a situation where there are too many patients coming in or we have a situation where we have a patient who might be upset or potentially aggressive, people will not be thinking through that situation and solving it as well as they could. So we need to keep our people what I call psychologically safe so that they're feeling less like they're running on emotion and more like they're running on logic. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's worthwhile explaining that whole concept of psychological safety and the brain's involvement. Would that be a good place to start? Yes, let's do that. Okay. So first, the first thing to say is that I am not a psychologist and I come at this with obviously a perspective of human behaviour and human behaviour in the workplace and getting the best out of teams. The term or phrase psychological safety has been around for a little while, yet often people throw those terms around without actually explaining them. So I'm going to go back to basics. And for your nurses there, please excuse me if I don't explain the brain very well, but I'm going to talk about the brain. Okay. And we're going to take it from a workplace team perspective. But the first thing we need to think about is what is the brain ultimately designed to do? And it's designed to keep us safe as human beings. Now, the way it keeps us safe as human beings is it's constantly taking in information. It's constantly scanning the environment for things that will hurt us or things that will help us. And this is what the brain has evolved to do to keep us safe. Ultimately, it's protecting us from life-threatening situations and it's able to take in. They say it will take in each second 11 million pieces of information. Oh, my goodness. Which I sometimes find hard to believe, but that's what the data says. That's what the science says. Wow. (laughs) And of that 11 million pieces of information, they say that we are only conscious of 40 pieces of information or up to 40 pieces of information. Hmm. So most of the information our brain is taking in, we're not actually consciously thinking about it. And people often look at me in disbelief when I say that. So I will then say, which sounds a bit strange, wiggle your left toe, your left big toe. And they look at me very strangely. And then they wiggle their left big toe. And I say, well, until I asked you to do that, you weren't actually conscious of the information that your left big toe was sending up to the brain, like temperature Mm -hmm. and the hardness of the surface that it was in. So Mm -hmm. that's one way of looking at it to explain that. Mm -hmm. So the brain is constantly scanning the environment and when it detects something that could be a threat to us, it triggers what most people have heard of, fight or flight response. I I talk about fight, flight or freeze because sometimes the freeze response gets forgotten. Mm -hmm. Now the brain is designed to trigger that reaction which starts in the amygdala, our emotional centre of the brain, And the amygdala then fires off to the rest of the body to prepare to fight, to run away or to freeze in place until the threat passes, which is great when I'm walking in my paddock and I see a snake, as I often do here in Australia on my farm. Mm -hmm. It's great if my body freezes in place, for instance, before I've even considered is that a snake or is that a stick? That's the example I like to use Mm -hmm. because the brain will determine in a fifth 
of a second whether something is a threat to it or not. And it acts that quickly to keep us safe. Now, you might be saying, well, how does this apply to the workplace because there aren't too many snakes or, <laughs> or, or fires or well, things in the there, workplace? there are some human snakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't go down that pathway yet. <laughs> but um, it, it, does, it does actually act this way in the workplace, the brain. And the good thing about protecting us from fires or snakes is that the brain will act that quickly. Now, it also finds threat in the workplace. And when it finds threat in the workplace, that's not a snake, it's not a fire, it can act that quickly as well, in which case we might have an emotional response to a situation that is not actually life-threatening, that we don't need to fight, we don't need to run away and we don't need to freeze for, yet that is the first place our emotional centre of our brain goes. So to give you some examples of what the brain might consider a threat in the workplace, um, yes, human snakes, if you like, someone who is being very authoritarian, who is saying, I am the boss, that can actually trigger a threat state in people. And often that will relate back to their previous experiences with other managers, other bosses, other situations they've been in. Yet someone just using the word boss can actually trigger a threat state. So before people are conscious of how they're responding, they can actually feel their body tense up. They can feel their heart rate go up, their respiration rate go up. They can actually be preparing their body to either fight back with that person, which could come out in an explosion of words or swearing or something like that. It could actually be that they are preparing to walk or run away from that person. Or it could be that they're just going to freeze in place until this bullying or this boss actually who's been very authoritarian just leaves me in peace. So I'm just going to sit here and be quiet and withdraw. Mm -hmm. So the brain is detecting threat in those situations and it could be a new team member who comes into the team that also is considered by the brain to be a threat because until we know someone, Mm -hmm. until we Mm -hmm. like them, until we trust them, the brain automatically defaults. Now, most of us have emotional intelligence, so we say, okay, that new team member, they're not our enemy, they could be a good person and let's get to know them and I'm sure that they'll be a wonderful person to engage with. Most of us can work through that in our brain, yet our default for our brain as it's evolved over the years is that it's going to be considered a threat in the first instance. Mm -hmm. Lack of autonomy, if we're not able to make our own decisions, if we're not included in the decisions in the team, if our manager is speaking in words and phrases that we find confronting, this is all rising our emotions. It's all triggering a threat state. And so again, that could be like if they're denigrating somebody in front of other people or uh, bullying them or something like that. Is that what, what you're talking about? Absolutely. There are so many things that can raise that threat state in the brain. So yes, if if a manager is talking negatively about you in front of others, if the manager is giving you feedback in such a way that it makes you feel humiliated or mm-hmm. stupid, if a manager sometimes even is is Um, raising the fact that there's going to be change in the workplace. So so it doesn't actually always have to be 
someone being mean or nasty. It right. can actually just be a situation thing. So we're going to have this change that's occurring. The mm-hmm. word change and the concept of change for some people can be a threat because we have to think about things and how we do things. Mm-hmm. And the brain likes to operate on habit. The brain doesn't like change because we have to think about things differently. And if we think about the COVID-19 crisis, things are changing if not every day, they're changing sometimes minute by minute. And so this is very taxing on the brain. Our emotions are high. We're having to think about things and what we're doing so carefully. It's draining. And when we're operating on high emotion, when we're operating Mm -hmm. where we have to think a lot, we don't have a lot of energy reserves left to be able to bring in our logical decision-making elements of our brain to deal with things that come up. So our brains are very, very tired if we're on high emotion mm-hmm. or if we're having to think about every single thing we do because it's changing constantly. And then if you're working a 12-hour or 13 or 15 or 16-hour shift, which I'm hearing of, uh, it's even worse and knowing you're going to have to come back and do it again. Absolutely. So if you're at the end of that 15-hour shift and suddenly 20 more patients come through the door that you have to deal with, then when you normally might respond in a very calm, measured manner, sometimes we're seeing people who are very calm, who are very mm-hmm. competent, they're often responding explosively or emotionally and it's often unexpected. What it is is the brain's just had enough. They're moving into overwhelm and burnout and that's, you know, the worst. I'm not a burnout specialist but that's the worst mm-hmm. situation that we can get to with this where our brain is just so exhausted dealing mm-hmm. with the emotions we're feeling, the emotions around us, also how our manager or our leader might be treating us, but also the situation itself. There is a lot to take in and it's not surprising that many people are overwhelmed. And so I think, I mean, there's a lot, (laughs) I talk a lot, as you can tell. No, no problem. (laughs) A lot to talk about here. So the key thing I think for a leader is to really understand that we want people to be operating with their best possible logical thinking brain right if they're in a threat state for whatever reason be it change be it the way you're talking to them be it a new team member coming in be it the situation of a crisis if they're operating in an emotional state a threat state they are not bringing their best logical decision making brain to work and Mm -hmm. as a nurse I think you'd probably agree we need every nurse to have their best logical thinking brain. So leaders can impact that if they communicate well, if they're cohesive, if they practice some key skills to get the best out of their team, they're helping to reduce that threat level. They can influence that really greatly by what they do. They can't take away the crisis. They can't take away every stress that people will come across in the day they can make it a lot safer for that brain so that the threat level reduces and people feel like I can solve this, I can get through this. So there's a lot that leaders need to be doing to make that happen. Great. Yeah. So um, there's always perception is the thing that I always think about where we're each bringing our whole life of perception, how we look at the world, how we think about the world, uh, what we say, what we do, how we perceive other people's uh, words and actions. And I think that's often when we get into trouble. 
Um, so uh, I actually, I just am thinking, I don't, uh, I want to get into this topic, but I want to do it after we get back from the break. Sure. So let's take another break here. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And uh, this is Leanne Meyer. We're talking today um, about COVID-19, but from the standpoint of keeping it safe in healthcare team conversations. Um, my guest is Roz Lindsay from South Australia, and she's the owner of Engage Your Healthcare Leadership. We'll be back in just a minute. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. WomenInHealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22, 2020. WomenInHealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. Today we're talking about COVID-19, keeping it safe in healthcare team conversations. And my guest is Roz Lindsay. She is from South Australia, and she is the owner of Engage Your Healthcare Leadership. Um, We have been talking about all aspects of the brain, about communication of various times, um, leadership from um, healthcare managers. And we're going to talk um, a, a little bit about psychological safety. And so, Roz, can you take us through that? Sure. So now we've talked about the brain and we've understood it's keeping us safe. It's looking for threat or reward. It's really hypervigilant about threat because it's trying to save our life. And we've talked about where that can be really helpful when it is truly life-threatening, yet it also can be detecting threat in the workplace where things may not be life-threatening, yet 
the brain is seeing a threat and operating at a high emotional state, so therefore not bringing its logical brain in. So as managers and leaders, what we want to do is we want to create as much as we can a psychologically safe environment. And what that basically is, it's just an environment where people are comfortable to discuss challenges, to share success, to raise concerns. They can have differences of opinion between each other and even with their manager. They can raise those differences of opinions. They'll be acknowledged and they'll be respected. And we're experiencing across that team that psychologically safe trust, empathy and honesty. And if we can create this environment, and we can do that even in a crisis, then we're going to have a more productive team. Um, in fact, moving out of nursing for a minute, in 2015, Google actually did a study of their teams and they looked at the most effective teams that they had in their workplace. And I think they, they looked at something like 180 of their teams and they did lots and lots of interviews and analysis of information and they found that there were five things that were critical to really highly successful teams and psychological safety was the number one thing that oh, was incredibly important. So it is important and we need to be able to create that environment where employees feel that they can be the best they are and that they're actively engaged in their work. We can show up to work and just do the basis basic things so that we don't get fired so we can we can take that approach we take that approach if we're disengaged if we can engage our employees they're going to be much more effective we don't just want people showing up and doing the minimum so they don't get fired we want people to feel connected with the work that they're doing because they'll have an increased productivity they'll have increased results whatever the results might be for your team um, patient outcomes might be a result there might be an element of financial impact there whatever that result is if we can engage our employees in the work that they're doing they're going to have some really good outcomes as a team I've heard that described as ownership uh, yes. that the more each team member feels like they are the owner of the whole outcome uh, it gets less into whose job is that and who messed up and things like that. It gets into more of how do we support each other if we see something is lagging that we jump in and pick it up and make sure that it keeps moving along. Um, and that takes ownership. If, like you say, if you're just coming in and punching a time clock, you're probably not going to put your neck out there. Absolutely, absolutely. We want people to take a, a small risk. We want them to be innovative and creative. We want them to feel comfortable and engaged in, in that work that they're doing. And, and taking ownership is so, so important. And often it's, a, you talked about perception before, and often it's even a perceived ownership. It doesn't mean that we're saying that employee makes all the decisions and they take over and they're in charge. It's the perceived ownership of the work that they're doing, that they're involved in it, that they can make some choices about how that their work is done, that they can make mistakes and own up to them openly and not be fearful all the time. So it's creating that feeling and sense where people are taking ownership, they're taking responsibility for their work. And 
yeah, I think it's just it's there are so many elements to creating that right environment. And you mentioned perception, and perception is one of them. What's my manager's perception of me? What's my perception of how they f- see me? How they view me in the world? Um, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, one thing I'd like to add in there is, you know, each person's personality plays into it too. And uh, one of the things that I noticed as a manager is that there were some people who wanted feedback constantly. And if they weren't getting constant feedback, you know, positive or negative, they actually didn't care as long as they were getting feedback. And they would perceive negative if they weren't hearing anything. And then there are other people who like, just talk to me when there's something wrong and um, tell me exactly what you want or, you know, what it is, is the problem. Or if you're praising me, give me very specific praise when you spoke up in the meeting about this particular thing, you showed yourself to be an expert so that they can see, yes, not only do you see that as a positive, but I see it as a positive too. Now I'm trusting that we're on the same page. Absolutely. And I think they're really good examples because it goes back to what you said right at the start when we first started talking about this, it's understanding the individuals in your team and the fact that Mm -hmm. There's diversity in your team of personality and how people like to receive information, receive feedback, how they like to interact with you. And it's important that we understand those things. It truly is. We can't just blanket everyone and treat them as we want to be treated or Mm -hmm. we think is right to treat them. People are individuals. And I think this is going to be a critical skill moving into the future. In fact, they're saying people skills are becoming more and more important. Yes, finally, yes, yes. (laughs) I know, and they call them soft skills. I don't like to call Uh. them soft skills because they're not. They're critically important. The more artificial intelligence plays a role in the workplace, and we know that's going to play a huge role in healthcare, the more that plays a role, the more I truly believe people skills are important. And it's not just me saying that, it's a mm-hmm. lot of people and a lot of researchers are actually saying that. And as, as you say, one of those key things is understanding your team and knowing what they truly need. And because this is a thing, we can misinterpret what our manager is saying and thinking unless right. we're used to having that open, honest conversation, as you say. Mm-hmm. It, and it's interesting because people make up stories in their head and that can yes. create <laughs> threats, <laughs> threat states themselves. You know, I can say, as using your example with feedback, oh, I haven't heard any feedback from my manager. Oh, they must think I'm doing a terrible job. Isn't that awful? Oh, I'm so terrible. They don't think highly of me. Oh, aren't they a terrible manager after all? We create yeah. these stories. Yeah, and, most and then of the we time, start to act out of that story and everybody else is looking at us like, what? Exactly. Where did that come from? <laughs> exactly. So we're all viewing the one situation in different ways. And that's where communication is so important because we're able to honestly say, this is what I think, or, hey, I haven't heard any feedback from you. How am I doing? I don't care whether it's good, bad or ugly. Mm-hmm. Just let me know mm-hmm. what, what's exactly. going on. So we need, you know, and a, an employee will not do that with their manager. They won't step up and say, this is how I feel. This is what I'm concerned about. If there's not an environment that's creating that psychological safety, that exactly. environment where they feel comfortable to raise good things, bad things, ugly things. So they won't do it if they're living in a state of threat or fear, whether they're conscious of that's what the state they're living in or not. They need to have that trust within mm-hmm. that team and that's that's certainly something that is a core foundation of teams. And I think when I work with teams that are dysfunctional, and I do in healthcare, 
I work with lots uh, of teams where I'll have a manager say, oh, these people, they're not doing what they need to do. They're incompetent. They're not able to step up. I need them to step up. And when we work through that a little bit, it's interesting um, to understand the situation. And, And when we get to the root of it, often it is because that leader hasn't helped that environment be safe for people to step or up has and show actively their made it unsafe. Absolutely. We'll see that's a whole nother extreme there. Yeah. It's we've got, you know, a situation where perhaps a manager doesn't know what they don't know. And I, I know in nursing a lot of nurses are kind of thrown in. You've been in this uh, hospital for a while, but let's throw you into a management position, but we won't <laughs> give you any support. We won't give you any training. And here you go. Mm-hmm. So there's that side of things, but then there also is the side of things where managers are actively, as you say, making things unsafe, where they're Mm -hmm. being authoritarian, they're micromanaging, they're controlling, they're labelling their team as terrible and useless and hopeless and they're, you know, not giving them feedback or they're only giving them critical feedback. They're giving unclear messages and that's what I refer to as divisive leadership and it's certainly not creating a psychologically safe environment for people to be at their best. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I guess that's what managers and leaders, don't we want them to be at our best, even if it's for selfish reasons, even if it's to make us look good. I hope, though, that there'd be more reasons than that. And and there are many, many other benefits of, mm-hmm. of psychologically safe environments. Yes. I, I have a feeling that um, as we move through this crisis, and it's a world crisis, um, that's the thing that's so very different. I mean, even, you know, I've been in hospitals where you have an individual, what we call an orange alert, where maybe some horrendous thing has happened, a plane has crashed, or uh, in our case, in Minnesota, we had a bridge that um, uh, crashed at, during rush hour traffic. And um, about seven, seven or eight people, I believe, were killed at that point. Um, It was just unbelievable. And Mm -hmm. every single hospital in the city had to be pulled into action. Um, So there can be those things. But now we have a crisis that's worldwide. And what I think is going to happen is we will be looking at what was the best case scenario, which were the countries, which were the cities, which were the teams that worked the best together? What can we learn from those teams, just like you were talking about the Gallup um, you know, teams and understanding mm-hmm. what were those aspects that were needed. Um, I think that's going to happen with all of this. And I hope from it, we're going to be able to build a better idea of what healthcare uh, ideally looks like when everyone is able to function at their highest level, even in a difficult situation. Absolutely. I certainly do hope. Um, My dream is that teams will become even higher priority no matter where people work in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And that will also be supporting our managers and leaders in those teams to understand how to get the best out of them. Because to be fair, as I said, the majority of people are not being deliberately bullying and deliberately trying to create a bad environment they just often are not aware or they're following the lead of their own Mm -hmm. managers and it's often also a generational thing each generation passes down and I I know there's a phrase in nursing I hope you don't mind me using it I I know a lot of nurses who use it nurses eat their young eating your young (laughs) yes And um, it, it horrifies me. It, at first it sounds funny and then you go, oh, that's not, that's that's not, not a great funny. thing. Um, yeah. And I know some wonderful 
nurses who are working actively to teach themselves about leadership and to change that. It takes Mm -hmm. all of us working really hard to do that. And there are, Mm -hmm. you know, there are wonderful benefits for us to actually care about this, just to be able to have our team working effectively, to be able to collaborate well, to be able to deliver best possible patient care, to be able to deliver best results for whatever area of nursing or healthcare that they work in. And it has that ripple effect. You impact your team who impact others who impact at the end of the day, the communities that we live in. And it's so important. So it becomes the culture. Uh, It's sort of like we start out with individuals doing something great and other people are picking it up and more and more people and it starts to move through an organization and maybe into connected organizations and pretty soon you've got a culture that everybody can see and feel is different than some other cultures. And when you know you're in a positive or what I call a collaborative um, culture, you know that you can really put yourself forward. Those are the people who are not going to be looking for necessarily the um, huge increases in pay. They're looking for um, being able to, to do what feels like mission. And I think the people that are uh, especially attracted to healthcare, that's what they're looking for is how do I be my best self among others who are being their best self? We're actually uh, at the end of the show here. Wow. But, okay. Um, yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so in the, in like two minutes, could you share if there's one major thing that you want people to get out of this, or um, we're going to be doing another show, a second version of this. So is there anything you want people to think about between shows um, that we yeah. can come back to? Definitely. Well, you've been very kind to invite me back to talk a little bit more about how do we actually create that environment. So we will do that. In the meantime, though, I think if you're reflecting on some of these concepts, the key things that I'd be thinking about initially are what's working for you as a manager? What are the things that you're doing, the actions and behaviours that you're bringing to your team? What is working? What is having a positive result in the team and getting a really good outcome? And Equally to think about what's not working so well. Are there situations where hmm, that didn't play out how I liked, that didn't give me the behaviour change I was looking for in my team or that didn't give me the response or the outcome? And then the third thing is to think about where might you be creating a threat state for others and being mm-hmm. honest with yourself. Um, I'm not asking you to come on an international radio <laughs> or podcast show to talk about that. I'm just asking you to be honest with yourself. We are humans. We are not perfect. So thinking through where you might create that threat state, because once you know where that is, we can address it. Yes, that's so true. Um, This is actually kind of a nice segue to um, what I kind of wanted to leave us with. I feel like as 2020 unfolds, we will be needing to support, encourage, and recruit all healthcare, but especially nurses, not just in the United States, but all over the world. Tragically, some will be needed to replace courageous health workers who came to work in dire circumstances to care for patients with COVID-19 and contracted the virus. Some of those people will have survived, but may struggle with a moral trauma or even the the physical aspect of what they um, experience and need time to realign their world. Some may have died and already have died, many healthcare people. 
I recently started a page on my website called, uh, and my website is www.onceanurse.com. That's called COVID Corner to provide resources, stories, connections, and encouragement for nurses everywhere. Uh, it's also on the COVID Corner LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, please contact me if you have any uh, experiences that you'd like to share, whether that's joy, sorrow, innovation at the front lines of nursing, wherever that may be. And thank you for listening and most important for your contributions. You can call, contact me at Leanne at onceanurse.com and I'd be happy to respond back to you. So this show is actually the first in two shows. It's called COVID-19, Keeping It Safe in Healthcare Team Conversations. My guest today has been Roz Lindsay from South Australia. She's the owner of Engage Your Healthcare Leadership and leader of a Facebook group called We Lead Healthcare. Roz provides management and leadership education for healthcare leaders to create and sustain effective teams. Uh, she also has a, is a, a podcast host of Engage Your Healthcare Leadership podcast, and that can be found on any Apple podcast, Spotify, or other platforms that you get your podcasts from. Um, this has been a, an excellent discussion, and I think, Roz, you're very good at what you do. And so I'll be looking forward to having you back, and we will uh, add to this discussion. Leanne, thank you so much for having me as a guest today. I can't wait to continue the conversation. Wonderful. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.